Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is episode six of season seven, The Bells of St. John. People's souls are being sucked into their computers. You know, just a regular day. This episode <laughs> is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Colm McCarthy. It originally aired on the 30th of March, 2013, and was watched by 8.44 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hello, this is Auburn. Hi, this is Brian. Hi, this is Frank. And I'm Josh. Warnings appear all over the internet telling people not to connect to a certain Wi-Fi account. In that Wi-Fi, people's souls are being trapped, causing their bodies to die within 24 hours and quicker than dumping a bucket of ice over your head. It's gone viral. In London, Clara Oswald is calling for tech support for her computer. She has been given the number to the best helpline in the universe in the year 1207. The TARDIS's phone is ringing. The brothers of the monastery, where the TARDIS has landed, tell the doctor that the bells of St. John are ringing. Surprised, the doctor answers the phone and Clara asks for help with the internet. He asks if she has tried turning it off and on. I mean, he asks if she has hit the, the Wi-Fi button. She mumbles a mnemonic and she enters her password. Run, you clever boy, and remember. She accidentally chooses the virus Wi-Fi when someone pounds on her front door. It's the doctor who rushed there in the TARDIS to find the impossible girl. After some typical doctor explanations, Clara slams the door on him. It was very interesting to see, we've been watching so many older episodes, that now the technology on the past episodes now feels current. Where it's, oh, like they still have a flip phone, or they're mentioning the internet, but it's not like part of household uh, everyday use. Yeah. Technologically, the special effects and everything, like it, that felt like a show that could have been produced today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cold open felt like an extended version of Blink's ending mm-hmm. with the doctor talking to camera, but now it makes sort of sense because it's more like a vlog. So it's a guy talking directly to the internet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's very creepy and hooks you. But on repeat viewings, I know I sit there and go, "Where'd you get the paper and pen to write warning or danger or whatever?" It's like you're you're existing in a in the internet. You don't have paper and pen to write a warning sign. Yeah, if if that was done today, like Josh mentioned, it would be hashtag warning. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It certainly is very prescient with like the the whole Zoom environment that we are currently in that wall of I mean we're looking at ourselves right now as a wall of faces <laughs> where are we <laughs> how did I get here <laughs> yeah I also think it, it was this weird combination of like we're saying like it feels like today but even someone with uh, very little computer skills who's under 30 doesn't even question how to get on the Wi-Fi that was the one thing that felt out of place it's so common today it was a good plot device though for later when she knows how mm-hmm. well, yeah well, I don't know. I know people who still have difficulty. <laughs> a few. They probably, those people probably have other difficulties 30. as well. Usually they're over 30 or two times that. <laughs> In addition to, I think, feeling current, it also helped that the whole episode felt very uh, high production value. Like, yes. Like it yes. felt like an expensive episode. So that, I think, yeah. helps it feel like it's still uh, relevant and, and modern because it did feel very glossy. I will, I have a feeling they enjoyed filming in London. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice um, that they did. I like that. Especially if you're going to make a shard the big part of the thing. Yeah, you got to film there. You got to film there. You can't have a blue screen. After the uh, the opening sequence, or I guess you have the cold open and then you have the opening sequence and then you have what looks like uh, Game of Thrones-ish. Yeah. You know, because we're in 1207. I love the line, the bells of St. John are ringing. What does that mean? And then later on, we find, or in that same sequence, we find out what that means. And it's like, of course, that's what that means. That's really, it's a, it's a clever thing to have something that's constantly in our face since Matt Smith became the doctor. They put that emblem or symbol badge. Yeah. They put it back on the TARDIS door with, with the phone, where the phone comes out. Hmm. And it's always been there, but then now it's part of the plot and the story. And I really found that very clever. 
And this is where I we, do wish it wasn't the name of the episode. I, I can understand that. And uh, the doctor's in solitude again because he's wearing his monk robes and he's ex uh, secluded himself in the past. And uh, Frank, this reminded me of you liking the uh, the lines that are taken several different ways, where the the younger monk is taking or is taken by the abbot to see the doctor, and he says it's the mad monk. Well, that's not true. He's not a monk. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're expecting he's not mad. Yeah. <laughs> I know this has been months since we saw snowmen, according you know the regular timeline. So it was kind of nice to remind people without going previously on, you know, showing the painting of Clara and the phrase "Run yes. your boy, remember," so people can remember that coming in, going that's for her, for a better term, catchphrase that she has. And so when you hear it later on, you know, then it's like, oh, that's what triggers the doctor. You get it without having yeah. a lot of beforehand knowledge. I'm glad you brought that up because the last time we saw anything with the doctor was December of the previous 2012. And so this is three months later. So I'm okay with all these kind of callbacks where before I'm like, you don't need to slam it over our heads. But now I'm like, it actually makes sense. <laughs> right, right. Especially now that we binge it, it's all slamming over your head. Yes. But wait three months and then you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> Production artwork is always such an interesting gamble. Like whenever you have, you know, something that's painted or or something in a in a scene. Um, and yeah, it's a very good painting. Yeah, no, it was neat to see. It was just uh, so you know out of context. In addition to to being at the the monastery in 1207, like you know, it's a very modern style of painting, like photorealistic. Right. Um, I don't know my art history dates exactly, whatever, but uh, I remember learning that when people started to do more photorealistic paintings, it freaked people out. Mm -hmm. um, and then when people started to do impressionist work, that freaked people out because they didn't even know what they were looking at. Uh, like it was because that doesn't look like what we see. What can it pop? They couldn't even interpret an image if it didn't look exactly what they look like. But mm -hmm. that's that's funny because it reminds me of when the the camera was invented, photo photo photographic camera. They were like. You, you, you stole my soul, which is sort yeah. of what's going on in this episode. <laughs> right. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I think this also sets a tone of the humor that the Doctor and Clara will have in the banter. Yeah. I did like it, and I think it's showing off Matt really well. So that's why I, I'm not yes. in the minority. I don't think I'm in the majority that I like Matt Smith with this, uh, with Jenna Coleman. Mm. I like those two, and I like Clara and this Doctor. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just the whole Doctor Who, oh, say it again, say it again, oh, I love mm. you saying that. Stop it, Moffat. <laughs> I mean, it's oh. just like, he, he wrote that just for himself. Yeah, he did. Just, but, just stop. But I think what makes this one okay for me is the way Matt Smith plays it, because it's just so gleeful, like he looks in the mirror, he's like, no, I'm still me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I started to get a little annoyed by it, but then it was like when he catches himself in the mirror. It's, I, I feel like he may have been in this monastery for years and years, or this, and he's excited for someone to say Doctor Who again. And then when he catches himself in the mirror, he probably hasn't looked in a mirror. And you know, the whole joke of this Doctor is he's very vain. So I kind of feel like he hasn't even looked in a mirror in ages because he's been in that in that basement. Um, so I think it was this, it's this reawakening and he's just very excited. And on a small production note, you probably noticed because I, your guys aren't colorblind, but like I, I did notice he has paint all over his sleeves on uh, the robe. I thought mm -hmm. that was a very nice little touch. Yes, this well, doctor has issues. <laughs> yeah. Every doctor has issues. There's just different issues. He hides in the clouds and he hides in a basement. Make up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Both are well, dank. While the, uh, <laughs> while the writing itself was like self-serving, the doc Doctor Who line, I thought uh, Jenna Coleman did a great job uh, building on the chemistry that she has with Matt Smith there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, because she's also, she's the one saying it. And as an uh, actress, you know, it's very easy to fall into a trap of like saying it like the show, like, you know how important that line is. But I thought each of her deliveries were, were well built emotionally on the one before it. And just building also on the, the phone call that she had uh, with Matt Smith uh, getting tech support, you know, there's like a completely not different character, but but her like just saying Wi-Fi, you know, as she's looking for it. Like we've all been talking to our moms and have had that happen <laughs> when we tell them to look for something and they say it just like she did there. So I thought uh, it's I, I'm glad to remember why I did like some of these. So it's, yeah. it's nice to see that chemistry there. It still happens today. <laughs> well, speak, speaking of that, did, did you notice why she wasn't able to log into the proper Wi-Fi at first? Because 
when uh, Angie tells her the password, she puts a space in between the R and the Y. So that's why oh. that password didn't mm. work. And I was like, oh, I never caught that. Well, she also <laughs> hits four instead of three. Yes. Because, yeah. Yeah. That was the other one. That was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I, oh, and then we forgot about the kids. She's a, she's a, a governess oh, again, we? a nanny. Oh no, I, could we forget about the kids? <laughs> <laughs> there was one little Easter egg there. Yes, there was. Do you want to bring that one up? Sure. The the book oh. that the, yeah. well, there's two in the one. Um, yes. The, the book that the kids were reading first, written by Amelia Williams. That's right. So that would be Amy Pond's married name. Yes. And then um, also what chapter was the kid on? Uh, I think on the kid was reading on chapter 10. Yes. But, but Clara said 11 is best. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, Moffat, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to admit, the first time I watched it, though, um, the Amelia Williams uh, stuck out, but I, oh. I wasn't thinking quick enough for the 10-11. Oh, my. Is that a postcard or a book? That's creepy. That's the book. Oh, is it really the book? <laughs> Chapter 11 is the best. No, 10's better. That is true. Actually, it doesn't even end. It only goes up to five. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that fifth one is so boring. <laughs> and and uh, Clara got the phone number from somebody in a shop, which we will find out who that is later. Oh, that was a question. Yeah. Thank we, you. We will find out. Yes. Find that out later or is yes. something that happens? Oh, okay. Much later. <laughs> Much okay. later. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that later. A different Put it doctor. Put this way, later. Matt Smith will find out. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I just didn't know if it was something I missed from this episode. No, but they did put a, they shined a light on it. They did. The way it was said. So it's like, you're thinking, what is this? And then you're going to totally forget by the time they tell you. You go, huh? Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least some of us did. I think other people liked it, but. No, that's like 99% of us did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then while the doctor is on the phone, I love these lines where he goes, what time is it there? And she says something and then he goes, it's 12.07. And she goes, oh, am I calling from a different time zone? <laughs> and then he, he he looks at the young monk and he's like, it's a woman for a trouble or something. And he goes, it's a woman. And then he crosses himself. <laughs> right. I like, uh, oh, yeah. She, that's... I also like his, I also like his every uh, phone tech operator does, must do. It's like, did you turn it off? <laughs> you know, when, the way he asks the question is like, this is the silliest thing and I've done it 10 times today. You know, I like that. Yeah. My, my favorite my favorite part of that internet ignorance bit was he's trying to like, he's 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 in like, this is an amazing cosmical event that's happening. I'm talking to someone who's dead again and this, that, and the other. And then eventually just is like, what did you, did you turn it on? Like he just switches yeah. and decide the turn where he's like, well, I guess I'll, I'll try to help her with her internet. Like that. <laughs> That, that turn I found very funny. I liked when he figured out it was Clara and then knocking on his door seconds later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, well, she's still talking. Wait, I got to go to the door. <laughs> that was nicely done. I liked that. Ms. Kislet, head of those controlling the Wi-Fi, receives a report about Clara. Her readings show Clara as clever, so Kislet decides to send a portable base station droid to download her. The droid arrives inside the house in the form of a girl from the cover of a book and sucks the life out of Clara. The doctor breaks into the house and sees Clara's body on the floor. He uses a sonic and a laptop to connect to the girl droid and uploads Clara back into her body. Then he sends a message to whoever tried to capture her, under my protection. Kislet reads the message and reports to her client that the doctor is here. The part where uh, the doctor is trying to convince Clara that he's he's there to help her, there's some sort of danger. And like you mentioned, Josh, they're talking on that um, security. Uh, yeah, security camera. Yeah. I love his lines where he's still in the monk's robes and yeah. he's like, I just happened to be in the neighborhood on my mobile phone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, when you say mobile phone, why did you point to that blue box? And he goes, because it's surprisingly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I also like him putting on his new outfit. I know you guys don't like the coat, the long coats on him, but I, this one I think I do. No, oh, I thought this was better than his other. This is better than the yeah. tweed. This is my favorite wardrobe of the Eleventh Doctor. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and I, I kind of like how they kind of made it formal. Yes. Where he, he has mm. the two coats, and he just kind of eh, and drops the tweed. Right. And I like how the bow tie was in the special box. You know what I don't like about the bow tie? I totally understand why they did it from a production television episode standpoint, but the bow tie is pre-tied. Yes. Uh, yes. Doctor would not have a pre-tied. How common? Yeah. No, he would yeah. tie his own tie. Right. 
Yeah. But, but again, like you said, we know why we did that because if it was untied, it wouldn't. You look wouldn't. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of wanted to save this to the end. My opinion of like I flat out loved this episode. I'm sitting. I mean, there were so many great. You know, I love Warriors of Mars and different things that stand out to me over the over. Uh, what's the one where they're trapped on the thing midnight. and then midnight? You know. But like I'm watching this and I'm like, this is one of my favorite episodes. It just it was hitting every note for me. I thought the comedy was great. I thought the writing was good and, and even the self-serving writing. It was it was just almost kind of like yeah 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 okay. But it was done well and the creepiness of the of the girl coming down the stairs. The this is this is this whole episode is set up like a, a real horror movie uh it just it just wasn't like a boo horror movie um the acting's great the comedy's great the, the turns of tone work um even the silly looking robot underneath the girl was just <laughs> cheesy enough to kind of harken back to classic who but um production design wise it was it was cool looking enough that it looked neat like it didn't look like slammed together. everything about this the, the the big brother the nothing felt out of place it was like this was a very this is one of my favorite episodes now well since you brought it up the those robots the droids are called spoon heads because of the way the dish is oh and head. that's why the guy mm. mentioned it earlier yeah oh so, so i thought they were cardassian <laughs> Well, now we, we, we've brought up the girl coming down from the uh, the house, and it's the, the girl on the book cover, so that I thought that was nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they spotlighted it, and then the payoff. And it, I thought that the rendering on her, or the, the compositing, when she turns her head 360, like exorcism style, it looked okay. It didn't look like... Yeah really bad the girl was a spoonhead but previously the the woman in charge didn't she say they were people no she said no, some the servers and the oh, guy, servers servers right. okay um, because he's called it a spoonhead just don't be so proud. okay whoa, whoa, okay whoa. i do have a question though like had that thing even get in the house <laughs> okay broken upstairs it was a drone before drone sure. okay just flew oh, yeah. over flew in the window and transmorphed into this opened up transformer wise right she was super tiny and then they unzipped her file through the wi-fi <laughs> uh, there you go <laughs> The doctor moves Clara to her room, where he finds a pressed leaf in her book, then heads outside to set up guard. When Clara wakes up, all she remembers was that she was scared. They realize that information has been integrated into her brain while she was inside the internet, and the internet wants it back. They see another droid watching them from across the street. Suddenly, the lights go out all over the city, except the ones on their street. They see a plane turn and head for the lights, planning to crash there. The doctor rushes Clara into the TARDIS and they materialize on the plane. Together, they pull the plane away from the lights and wake the co-pilot. Kislet, who is watching through the droid, doesn't understand how the doctor saved the day. I thought that was awesome. That was like awesome. Great before, action. Before, before we go yeah. into the sequence, so I just want to say one thing real quick. He licks the leaf, so that's very 10th Doctor and gross. Now we're talking about the big thing. Well, did he get any of the jelly from the Jammy Dan uh, Jammy Dodger? Jammy Dodger. Dodger. And just kind of like, oh, I love this so much. I need to look at that. Uh, I just thought it was great use of the show's gimmicks. You know, the TARDIS yeah. and the zap here, zap there. Uh, you know, the, the TARDIS box in the middle of a plane. The plane. You know, it's just how to use the the world's gimmicks to uh, advance the plot to save the plot to to make make things happen like there's so many times we watch the show and we said why don't they just use this why don't they just do that like i felt like this show was like the perfect gelling of of, of everything um and, and then and they hit they hit the edits well because i had i watched it several times i was like that's where you would have put it and it's nice yeah yeah and it's did you guys i i also like story-wise when he was looking in her book with the page with the leaf how it had all those ages crossed out you know obviously she kept replacing the the leaf for whatever year that was um like saying like this you know uh i don't know if that's accurate <laughs> well that oh no 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 okay well tell me frank she got the book when she was nine so right property of her and then she hasn't gone anywhere so she crosses that out 10 for all the places right. she's gone hasn't gone anywhere across it out mm -hmm. and there are two years that were not crossed out and they were not even entered when she was 23 which was the previous year where her friend died and she became nanny for the kids and helped them out she didn't write that year down and so that made me think the other year was when she for 16 she didn't write down and so something traumatic happened that year that she didn't want or didn't remember didn't 
didn't think Did she say that her mom died? That's the year, I think, from what I'm trying to figure out. Because I think her mom died in 2005. Right. Well, that's kind of how I I saw it, too. I just... But the leaf was always there. That same leaf was always there. We'll find out next week. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, then I didn't... Or next two weeks. Well, regardless, what you're saying is what I'm actually talking about of, like... And that's, I think, some of the stuff, even some of the opening dialogue with the monks was just, like, very uh, audience-serving... You didn't, you didn't have to have hardly any of that dialogue in the opening scene to understand what was going on. And just by silent storytelling, by seeing, like, this is a, a book about places she wants to go and she's never gone anywhere yet. And she, every year she's like, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. And it was probably less than 10 seconds. I thought it was great. Yeah. Again, this this is a, a perfect example of showing mm-hmm. and not yeah. telling, but telling us visually. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor puts her in bed and does all that weirdness with making tea and then eating half of a jammy dodger and putting put it, it back on the plate. Yeah, I'm like, back. why would you do that? And it's touching two other jammy dodgers. Yeah. Pre-COVID. Um, they play Clara's theme. And I love that, that uh, use there. It's so good. And it's very long. It keeps going. Yeah. It's really nice. Well, I looked it up and it's Clara question mark is the name of that track because it's a little slower. It's not, it doesn't have as momentum as the one we would traditionally know as Clara's theme. But it, it's like a variation on it. It's really nice. Like Brian just mentioned it's a variant yes (laughs) Uh, rewinding a little bit before they saved the plane that nighttime lighting on the doctor and clara when she exits her house to go talk because she because he says i'm going to stay here all night and she goes well then i'll have to come to you so she comes out of the house from the peeking out the second story third story window comes down plops a chair next to him and the lighting it looks it's it's great it's got that like orangey hue from street lighting but it's not overdone like say Miami Vice with a Michael Mann movie yeah, it's like this warm color on them and then the cool blue of TARDIS and it, it looks relatively artificial, but, but it it's fits. at night, so yeah. it has to be artificial. So, yeah. it, and it didn't look overly lit. It was just, uh, and the richness of their wardrobe, like everything about that little scene looked like a small little play. Yeah. And then even the, the texture of the robot, like everything, everything. Uh, do you have any information on the production designer on this particular episode? Or, or um, yeah, what's the production designer, cinematographer? Well, the whatever. cinematographer, is Simon Dennis. I'm going to look him up. Because um, this yeah, is just a... Outside, that just... robot's real, right? Like, that's a real set oh, yeah. piece out there. Yeah, it looks good. Oh, there's... Yeah, yeah. Like, this is just a beautiful-looking episode. Uh, the, the camera angles, the shots, it, it's just... A lot of times with television, even a good show, you feel the production limitations. It... And I didn't feel... I did, Not only did I feel no production limitations in this episode, I just I felt it was elevated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Simon Dennis did the cinematography for this episode, and it's the only episode he's worked on for Doctor Who. Oh, he can huh. come back. And then the production design was done by Michael Pickwood, which or Pickwog, which we mentioned before. He's like this guy that has three generations worth of family working on Doctor Who. Like his his dad was uh, an actor in Classic Who, and then his uh, daughter becomes the production designer after he he does. I agree with you. That this is a great visual. I, I'm so with you, Josh and Eugene. We're on the same team. But also, I think this scene where she's talking to the doctor while he's downstairs and outside, and him going, you know, so what happened? And he has all these notes from the people. Well, she called. He called. This is what's going on. We got to talk about this. <laughs> Which is yeah, great. Your dad complained about the government for about I, lots of pages on that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was great. And then her saying, you know, if you're going to stay down there the whole night, well, then I got to come to you. Was Clara? That was the Clara. Mm-hmm. It's seen in the other. The two episodes you know, so that they kept which made it really nice it felt oh good they are going to still keep her similar to what she was i love the bit about how he invented the whatever car quadricycle, quadricycle. Yeah, quadricycle. <laughs> and, well, and his line quadricycle. at the end was like i invented the quadricycle right, that's yeah. such a matt smith doctor thing to say I mean, he yeah. does a little rant, 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 and then he always ends it with, I do this. <laughs> and then uh, you get a little bit of that flirting with Clara and uh, the doctor, but not as much because you call, he goes, let's jump into the, the TARDIS, jump into my box, it's safer in there. And he goes, what, that's a snogging box, like a kissing right. booth? <laughs> Is that how this all starts? And then even before that, when the doctor is clued in that Clara now knows about the internet because she meant she made a joke about Twitter and she was like, or he, he explains that you didn't know anything about the internet, but then you now know this. And the face he does is like, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
It's also nice that they didn't make it make a big deal of uh, this Clara going into the TARDIS. Mm. Yeah. And she does yeah. say, she does say it's bigger on the inside. And I really like that. Where it's like, no, no time to be clever. You know, mm -hmm. well, they already did the clever part with her and the other. Yeah. Episode. Yes. But this is a different person. Yeah. Right. You know, she is seeing it. From her. So I do like the fact that they made a choice to say they're in the middle of an emergency. She's going to be freaked out by the entire situation. And that's just going to be one point. Right. But I did like how she was really having a moment there we just didn't focus on it like yes. she repeated it a few times yeah. like like she is freaking her, out yeah she yeah, was yeah. freaking out that it was bigger on the inside and it took just as much time as it usually does for any other companion but we were busy doing something else what was particularly like clara for me what was particularly clara about the whole situation was she kept her coffee cup the whole time yeah <laughs> yeah yeah those are two things i didn't I, like brian really <laughs> surprising yes because i wanted her to put that cup down because you know there's nothing inside it and then she drinks from it at the end <sighs> okay now let's go it was like no there's you no know, there's nothing in there you would have all i think over. i think it i think the end that that end beat would have worked better if she went to take a drink and then was like oh there's nothing in like she just yes, instinctively yes. wouldn't let go but that's yes. what I, and, and, and i was waiting for that but when she actually seemed like she took a sip i was like come on <laughs> See, but the thing is, the sh this is the third Clara that we've met. Let's face it, this is the weakest Clara we've met. We don't know, but not so far. See, that, I, I was going to talk, I need to talk about this later, about my reaction to this episode now as opposed to then. Okay. But I also think the TARDIS or the doctor really got good at flying it because he doesn't usually end up where he wants to be. Right. right yeah. He doesn't have that much control of the TARDIS. He does occasionally, but that was pinpoint right onto the plane, a moving object. So but he didn't have to do time as well. This was just a space jump. Maybe that's why. Yeah. But he also, well, I guess we didn't see how many times he landed before getting to Clara's. <laughs> you know, he's like right outside her door. <laughs> right. Well, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. the TARDIS was like, you need to be on that plane now. Right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Also, brilliant, brilliant written plot point to, to have the idea that all the lights go out except for yeah, right there. You know, uh, something that you can then have a bullseye. Yeah, that's very clever writing. And, and that and that scene, the way they blacked out the rest of the city, I, it looked pretty good to me. And I watched yeah. it on yeah. HD and not on like a standard def. I was surprised how good it looked. And, and I liked how great. they uh, they like prepped it in the the conversation between Kislet and the, her like number two guy. Mm -hmm. uh, because he was he was warning like we're not gonna be able to cover up another riot so previously they had activated people to do you know mayhem but this yeah. was a great yeah twist <laughs> to you know it's not a riot what else can we do to not affect like the news like a plane crash would have just been a plane crash mm -hmm. i thought that was cool but i didn't get that yeah. till second viewing how how cool it was <laughs> yes doctor takes clara for breakfast to discuss what's going on with her new computer skills, Clara uses the laptop to locate whoever downloaded her while the doctor goes to get coffee. Kislet hacks the people around the doctor to talk to him. She tells him that she can control anyone who has been exposed to the Wi-Fi. You see, her client likes to live off of human minds. Outside, Clara finds the location of the hack, but is fooled by a droid doctor who completes the download of Clara Oswald. They ride the bike through London. They actually did that. It's it's There's a behind the scenes thing. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you could tell. Yeah. Um, when they were out, when they're actually on top of the the cafe on the roof or wherever, was that location as well? Because it, it was so it, crisp. Yeah. Partial. Sometimes it looked like it was a green screen, but then I was like, no, I don't think it is. I don't think so either. I think it was. No. I think it's just really crisp uh, 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 photography. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, when the doctor exits in South London, he exits tomorrow in South London. They're in like this this um, street performer, Venice boardwalk type mm -hmm, of area. Mm -hmm. And I like that the doctor is asking Clara to give, get, collect money. And right. then you see the, the guy, breakfast. you see the guy in the white, all in white. He's kind of like, <laughs> what about me? <laughs> it's great to then see the uh, the bike come out of the TARDIS because we yeah. always we're always told there's a pool, there's a wardrobe, there's other yeah, things. and that's the thing too about this episode and all these like TARDIS gimmicks uh, about like his getting the way he got his wardrobe. Uh, then the bike comes out of there. And it's just uh, oh great. Yeah, I liked all of that stuff. Uh, so they're having breakfast, and Clara asks, "What what what will the doctor do once he finds out who's what aliens are behind this whole plot or whatever?" The doctor says, "I can't tell the future. I just worked there." And yeah. she says, "You don't have a plan. You know what they say about plans? What? I don't have one." <laughs> <laughs> that, I love that line though. I don't. I can't tell the future. I just worked there. That should be on a t-shirt. I'm sure it is. <laughs> 
I like it. <laughs> we should. But I like that whole scene because it goes on to her having him go get coffee because she knows what she can do with the computer. She's on it. That's yes. Clara. And but he was leaving and going, but shouldn't you be doing young people things? And it just <laughs> was a great scene between them. And he, it's Matt Smith's take on the doctor is a fun take. Yeah. And his 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 um his like ending reaction of like oh and then he turns around. <laughs> right. And her just saying that you know it's not about security. Can you get into security? It's not about security. It's about the people. She has mm-hmm. her own way of figuring it out which is brilliant you know really yeah. fun going they're on social media i just go to them and find out who works there or what they're going so oh and um bef- i think when they're riding the bike there's a song that plays it's baba biker and it sounds like a pre-recorded or pre-existing like pop song but it's not it's actually murray murray gold's original thing it's sort of really it's yeah it stood out but not in a bad way just in a way that i oh let me research that <laughs> I have to hear it again. Yeah, all, all that bike stuff. Like, I don't know if, if you guys look closely. I felt like I could see the camera car and the helmet a little bit on some of the shots. Oh, really? Just a little bit. But, but that, I mean, that's like expensive stuff to do. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and it looked really good. Like, Marvel is just now doing that on television, right? Yeah. Like, with, mm-hmm. with their shows. It was just a regular car reflecting off just you know in traffic right right uh-huh. well the thing is now i mean with drone photography like there was so many limitations now a camera could possibly be the size of a soda can i did like um, the shot of the motorcycle going over yeah. westminster bridge and it's like oh eccleston and rose they ran over that <laughs> yeah. they ran <laughs> did you talk yet about the part where the people's bodies were being taken over yet no creepy paragraph. wasn't it oh, no it's this one he's getting coffee Okay, right, yeah. So that's my biggest, one of my biggest, uh, like, like hard trigger, hard triggers of people like body snatching and mm-hmm. things like that and being taken over and things. And I think it's, you know, terrifying, but also super cool. And um, it was just, a, so I just really loved it. It just makes you that whole idea of you can't control any of the environment, like, like just backed up against a corner in that regard. And, yeah. Um, uh, so the, that, that's happening here. You got the 19, you cut back to 1984 in the office building. Then you have the hacking thing with Clara. It's just so many things going on, but they were all interwoven very nicely. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody else thought this, but I thought the barista was like a younger relative of Howard Hessman from WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> I was like, I had to do a double take. I'm like, is that him? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like him a little bit. I did like how when he was under control, he didn't have his ass. Yeah. yeah, that was nice choice right there. Well, they were all trying to have uh, Kislet's voice yeah, a Kislet's. little bit. Yeah. 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 But this, this spoilers, but this was giving me the Loki vibes. This section. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Oh, okay. So here is that little Easter egg. So when Claire is hacking the shard and all those employees, and then she, she's, it's very clever. She uses their, their built-in cameras and then you see them suddenly flash off and on and she takes the photos and then she starts researching these people through social media to find out where they work. She comes up on one and it was kind of very spotlighted called Amy Pickwood. And that's the production designer, the daughter of the production designer for this episode, who cool. later then becomes the production designer for the doctor. Doctor Who show. <laughs> That's funny. Nice. I didn't get that. That's great. Oh, the, the little girl, another creepy little girl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, creepy little girl. <laughs> but I think if it's uh, geared more for adults, Claire would have picked up the laptop and hit that thing. She would have ran. It seems like the slow turn is like going. Yeah, yeah, plenty of time to run or do something. <laughs> you know, it's well. I think. Way. I mean, I. Think oh, I think that's just I, for suspense. Just the way it's written. It is more for kids. You're not really thinking about the first time you see it. But then it's she knows what is coming on. She remembers being scared. This is triggering it. I think she would fight more now. Yeah, but I don't think she remembers the little girl. I don't think she remembers the first time it happened. That's possible. And this, I think, because that was, she didn't remember that. So it was still this, like, what is going on? Like, the idea that this thing's going to attack her isn't even a thought. It's just like, what's going on with this guy's head? Maybe that's the wonder I was looking for. Mm. <laughs> this this one right isn't up. as bad as with Kislet later, as far yes. as, like, getting yeah. out yeah. of the well, way. She knows like, what's happening. <laughs> yeah. she can... She's admiring her handiwork. Yeah. Look at how smooth <laughs> that turn. <laughs> I like the way that they did the spoon head with Matt Smith because you see a little bit of the hair before it goes concave. Mm-hmm, that was yeah. a nice touch. It is a good effect. I really liked it. The doctor rushes over to Miss Kislet's office and demands Clara be returned to her body. 
She scoffs at his request until he reveals that he is not the doctor, but the now-hacked look-alike droid and downloads her. The droid doctor hacks one of the workers in the office and orders him to return everyone to their bodies. While Unit arrives at the office, Miss Kislet, now back in her body, contacts her client, the Great Intelligence. It says that it is time to move on. Kislet releases control of everyone, who all revert back to themselves with no memory after the intelligence took them over. This was a dark turn that I was not expecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when she, you know she's saying, "Well, what about everybody who's you know been downloaded more than 24 hours? They're going to be dead." He's like, "Better than what they have now." Yeah. They do gloss over that, but you know. No, I don't right. think they gloss over it. I. Well, I mean, they don't. They don't linger on it. It's, no, it's not a linger. debate in any it, way. It's just the way the doctor sees it. At least how I see him seeing it. <laughs> yeah, that got away from me a little. Oh, <laughs> is that they're already dead? You've already killed yeah. them. You're now yeah. using what essence they have, so it's better than what thing is. So it's not. So it's like they can't be saved no matter what. They're cattle. Let them free. That's right. And what is about Burger King? <laughs> <laughs> what? No one loves cattle more than Burger King. Yep. <laughs> That's not. A, is that a British? fast food or is it just i didn't think it I was think burger king is i think eventually burger hungry jack uk but it's not called burger king in the uk hungry jack yeah um i love the whole uh reveal of who the people were before they got uploaded mm -hmm. uh, like the, <laughs> see the, that the, just the, makes me so sad yeah it does oh, it's, oh it, well yeah that's why i love it well I, I first i thought it was great that the the number two guy was a janitor yeah. oh no he was a, a plumber. plumber he was a, a plumber. plumber that was a, a vendor that came in <laughs> um you know and the uh uh you know very fitting end for our villain that she was just a little girl but it's also i also felt now it's it's kind of like a savior thing for her where she can now even though she's older she may not she won't turn into a bad person you know so it's kind of like saved her soul in a way uh, i still think it's horrible that you wake up and how many oh, it is decades have been gone well yeah but that's she's the villain so it makes me also think of uh simeon but he remembered everything he was being used by the great intelligence right and became what he did similar yeah, to that he did it he yeah, she did it willingly. Yeah. He was participating in that. She didn't she have that choice. She was manipulated, but still, I, I mean, it's a show. Uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy sad and twisted irony. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, it really should have been Ian McKellen on the screen and not Grant. But you can't but, afford Ian McKellen, so we'll take Grant. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the other episode, he did embody him physically. Yes, he did. So that could have imprinted. Okay, I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah, that's what I rationalize. I, I just... I just Frankenstein that. <laughs> and you did so correctly, because that is how yes. I thought it. So well done. I just want to spotlight the acting by Celia Imry. She goes from being like this CEO VP to just being a kid, and I can hear it in her voice. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. This does something that I that really bothers me every single time a TV show does it, and every TV show does it. And it bothers me so much. I don't like it when it is revealed that the character character that's been acting a certain way up until this point is revealed to be the robot or the alien or the bad guy and suddenly their demeanor completely changes to this mustache twirling or very robotic it's like the robot doctor was acting exactly like the doctor until it was revealed he was a robot and then he had like jerky motions and he's acting yeah. he's acting robotic and it's like there's no reason for that i have a frankization of <laughs> It was a puppet of the doctor, the first point. The doctor was actually controlling it as an avatar. I know. And then later on, he gave him the instructions. I know. So then it didn't have the same... Oh, so he wasn't, wasn't connected directly anymore. See, that's how I saw. Even though you have a justification for it, I hate that trope. I, I kind of agree with both of you, but here's the thing: why I'm side with Brian on this one is that I noticed it. It took me yeah. out of it. I had to. I had to think about that for a moment instead of just watch. Yeah, it was. It's just. Just don't do it. You know, once somebody, and sometimes it even happens when the only the audience finds out. You know, it, there's an episode in Deep Space Nine where you find out that Julian is an imposter and has been for a number of episodes. And he acts all the way completely like Julian until we as the audience and only the audience finds out he's an imposter. And from that second on, this Julian is very, well, I have a hidden secret that you yeah. twirl my mustache. And it's it's just really annoying. Which I think going off on a tangent, sorry, uh, I think why Mad-Eye Mooney worked 
It's because everyone, you know, they saw that he was acting strange, but Mad-Eye Moody always acts strange, but they kept going, you know, with his lips and they put the things in there going, this isn't him. So you can kind of get, there's something weird yeah. anyway. Uh, how many times is this, at least this doctor, uh, been uh, inhabited a robot of himself at this point? <laughs> yeah. This one I, I do like, just because it's not miniature, there's not a miniaturized crew in something. Oh, yeah. He's not a gamer. Oh, but we, we haven't uh, mentioned it, but I mean, I'm sure you all thought it like the whole back, the Spoonhead thing totally reminded me of the Don episodes and, um, uh, yes. what, which episode was Sounds it? Sounds the library. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, gosh, yeah. it is. No and, wonder and, it and that, clear. that had the same effect on me viscerally of like your mind being taken over, you being sucked into a thing, you know, that, that, all, all that stuff. Was... And it also gave us a good explanation of why the doctor wore a helmet. Not only because it's safe, but right, to because hide it the Spoonhead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do think oh. that's an interesting question, Josh. How many times has the eleven doctor not been right. the eleventh doctor? Right, right. Eleven percent of the time. So, <laughs> Eugene is Moffat the motorcycle fan, or who's who's the one that brought Triumph motorcycles into this? I don't know because uh, when they did that behind the scenes little featurette, Moffat was not part of the mm. uh, the motorcycle stuff. There's a big crash through a window with a motorcycle. They just yes. flat out don't show. Yeah. Now, I found I liked it because a lot of times it's funnier, it's more interesting to hear a loud noise off screen and then you have a reveal. But you know, it was debated like that could be a big moment in the show or it's just like we can't afford that because that is, <laughs> you know, we like even computer wise, like every little shard of glass needs to be, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. digi a digital asset, stuff like that. So um, whether or not they even considered it like um, th their choice of how they did things camera angles and the way he had the robot outside the TARDIS when she poked her head out the window like it was just they were they used practical effects in a very traditional way but not like over the top practicals and uh, I'm going on too, a bit too much of a tangent here I just it was just so well done especially I would think after a, one of the uh, mid hiatuses as they have it mm. I didn't even realize he didn't see the window breaking. Yeah, no, really? two seconds ago, we were like, no, we see the window breaking. You hear it. Theater of the mind. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> editing well done. Yeah. Just like uh, the empty child, when one of them transforms into the gas mask, you don't see that transformation, but you hear it. Mm hmm. Definitely felt like somebody saw the shard and was like, man, wouldn't it be cool to drive a motorcycle up that and like work <laughs> backwards? Yeah, I think a the entire bit. episode was written that way. Yeah, <laughs> it, it worked this time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I will agree that it worked this time because it's far along enough in the episode that I'm okay. Like they work up to it. They don't throw it in the first yeah. cold open in the cold open. They build up to it. So I'm yeah, I'm uh, what's it called? Accustomed to the 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 flights of fancy and it just escalates. Mm. It doesn't start mm. off on the beginning. What I like about it too is it's the type of fanciful thing that's also grounded in some sort of reality. Like we know what it feels like to be on a motorcycle. We know what glass feels like. We know what it's like to look at a big slanted, like, so it, it's not something so fantastical that we can't even fathom what that is. So, you know, and I also think that's why that moment, that, that's why Brian thought he saw the crash because we saw something really big and crazy um, right before it. And then we hear the crash. So it's like our, our brain put all these things together I should write. I should write a dissertation on this episode. I love it. <laughs> well, uh, there's a sorry. Real quick, there's another sort of Easter egg, or not Easter egg. It's a it's a reference to um, the tenth Doctor mentioned anti grav Olympics in Tooth and Claw. Okay. Where the Doctor okay. talks about being involved in the anti grav Olympics, and then mm. so he brings it up again here, but it serves the story that he's able to use anti grav to go up with the shard. Oh, I didn't recall. Did you, you not about it hear the word anti grav? <laughs> I love when a doctor references things about themselves that was another incarnation. Yeah, I, uh, I just, I, I think it just that's the richness of the, um, of the, the character. Yeah, the world and the character. I think um, no. that also goes back to the the motorcycle crashing in because the the actors are all there in that room when you hear the motorcycle and so at first it's the fantastical where they sell it because they hear a crash and they all respond to it and then um, Kislet you know just says like offhandedly like it's the most mundane thing in the world that she has a, a meeting or a visitor has arrived like her next appointment has arrived yeah. but yeah that you know it's really the actors that sell it because there's not yeah. a big crash there but because they are responding 
responding, we respond. It, it's funny that you mention that because sometimes we see something that's too much to accept, but the actors are selling it. Yeah. Where there's cases like this, where it's grounded in reality that we can accept it. Mm -hmm. And we get unit in this, which is a nice that, yeah. yeah, that's nice. Continuation of it. The doctor wants to know why Clara is a nanny. She says that she was planning to travel, but when the kid's mom died, she wouldn't abandon those in need. She still plans to travel and the doctor invites her to travel with him. She tells him to come back the next day and ask again. The doctor then asks why she keeps a pressed leaf in her book. She tells him it's not a leaf, it's page one. I like that, that in the hero's journey as a, as a spine, we have Clara refusing the call to adventure at the very end for first episode instead of in the beginning of the episode. So I thought that was a nice turn on phrase, if you will. She's doing things all out of order. Yeah, she's impossible, I tell ya. <laughs> yes. I also thought uh, over our conversation, I've been saying many, we've all been saying me, me the most, like, I didn't like Amy at all originally. And now that I know her whole story, I like her from the beginning because I see how, what a person she grew into, but you, you don't know that. Um, I, I don't think Claire ended up as in a good of a place. I see, see that's, it's, it's perfect that you say that because my reaction is the opposite. Like I liked this episode before. I just hadn't watched it in a while and not because I was avoiding it. I just never had a chance to really. And watching it last night, I couldn't separate what Clara becomes from this Clara. And it just irritated me more and more and more. And when she got to the point where she says, ask again tomorrow, I was really like, F you. At the time it was great, it was hysterical. It was like, yeah, you know, put the doctor back on his heels, you know? But now it's just like, no, I'm not gonna come back tomorrow. You had your chance, I don't need to come back. And I think that's because of my dislike of what her character arc becomes. Um, and also because a lot of these things don't ever pan out. Like we do see the leaf again, but I don't think the leaf pays off. It's also a different leaf, which is really irritating. Um, but it's like, oh, the, you know, like when I first saw this, it's like, oh, it's not a leaf, it's page one. It's like, oh, that's really a really cool little thing for a companion. And now we know what happens and it's like, meh. So I was yeah. very like, last night I had to calm myself down because I hated this episode. Watching it last night, I hated it, especially the ending, I, I hated it. And since then I've been trying to like temper that down where it's like, no, hatred is, it, no, no. It's, but I have reached a point with this Clara that I just- Already? You know what's, I know what's gonna happen. Well, because it yeah. wasn't here. It wasn't this right now, but you, it was an interesting thing. You looked forward at, as to what this was going to become. Well, now that we know what it becomes, this is a real disappointment. Sorry, Brian, that you remember the future, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, which can taint a lot of different things, especially in a time travel show where you know what's going to be happening. And it was like a slap in the face because I do remember loving that Ask Me Again Tomorrow. It, again, it was a character arc and I don't like where the arc went. Started off fine. It's the opposite of Amy. Didn't like Amy. Her character arc turned her into a great character. Mm. That's the way I want character arcs to go. Right. That's the, like, that's her problem. And that's why this one feels like the weakest one because the, the other two Claire's we saw had complete arcs in their episodes. Right. And, and this one is supposed to have an arc that ends, but yeah, it doesn't end. Right. Like that's, that's right. why I feel angry about or upset about it because I was given a, a, a good ending and then they took more and like it got yes. worse. Yeah. Cause she does reach the point where it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I, and I, I divide Clara. The 11th and Clara, I like. I thought their chemistry was really good. So I see her as a different Clara because then they have different ideas and they have a different doctor. And some of the stuff works and some of it doesn't for me. And that's where it changes. So it's like up to that point, I separate them in my mind. I didn't realize it until you're saying how that just taints all of Clara. I have that still separate in my mind because that's a whole nother season. Oh, I'll do my best to be objective and analytical. I have such a TV crush on her that I'm, I am biased. Two things was I really like how this Claire or, or the Claire's that we've been seeing put the doctor back on his toes with flirting with him, but reversed those genders and that's sexist. What looked at as sexist these days. Like everything she said to him, flirting wise, to you know, kind of put him off his heels. Um, I am now kind of like uh, uh, a white male in his 40s, triggered by like, oh, I can't say that. I can't, we can't be that way anymore. But she's saying it, so it's okay. And I think there's a lot of like, oh, so when a white male, whether he's uh, gay or not, says we got to give women powers, so we just make him act like men. I think there's a lot of that in Clara. Mm -hmm. 
in, in some ways. I have to think about that for a while. The snowman Clara was honestly intriguing the doctor just as a person, not as a mystery. Because he because because she sparked a curie she just as a human being, nothing special, nothing of you know, Mobbit has to have a bizarre mystery for a woman to be intriguing. She was just a person who intrigued the doctor because she was a person. I think that would have been fun to say, yeah, come back tomorrow and ask me that. What comes after this that affects me in this episode? And it's one of those I'm just, things where- I, I'm just totally speculating on why this issue that we're having, um, not you and me are having, like that we are having with uh -huh. Clara. Yeah. In 2000, like I, I'm speculating on why it may be happening. That's all. And see, in my mind, I'm flipping it going, well, if Clara was Carl, Carl, would I feel the same way? If this character was a man instead of a woman, and, and I'm going to be honest and say, yeah, I do feel I would feel the same. The snowman's Carl was an interesting character. The this Clara, this Carl has the potential to become an interesting character and doesn't. It's not because she's playing powerful dynamics with the doctor and saying, come back tomorrow. It's that, yeah, but then you never... You, you ruined that. Right. No, I'm not. What, what I'm talking about sexual politics is, or gender politics is um, it's only a, one piece of the pie that includes the other stuff you're talking about. This, you know, like they have this great story with this character and then a great piece of pie, a great piece of pie. Well, we only have one piece left. Let's cut it up into little pieces and eat a little. Well, they start rationing it. So by the time you're done with it, you're like, I guess it was OK. It was just a piece. It was like a crumb. Yes, so it's like we don't I really totally care. get that. I just think there's a lot of, and I think this character, this great character ends up suffering for a lot of things happening in society, uh, happening in filmmaking, happening in Doctor Who filmmaking, because now the show is a juggernaut and they have to serve different things. Like a lot of things that are happening during Jenna Coleman's run on this show. And I think it all just sort of trickled down into that character. Yes. And to the point like, well, we still want Jen on the show. What are we going to do with her? I don't know. This? <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess. So I'm just thinking of things. And I I think we all like Jenna. Yes. Oh, yeah. I just want that out there. We, we liked her. We liked her in as Clara for a lot of these episodes. It's the storyline, the writing, how they went with the character that we don't like. It's not Jenna. Well, we'll say this. Theme does you know, it's not Jenna. The characterization. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I'm going to keep a close eye on from, just for my filmmaking nerdiness. When does it turn? But I will be able to see, like, oh, I get why this ain't working for a lot of people at this point. I'm different. sure we'll tell you, too. Why it yes, yes. <laughs> Anyway. But we'll get there. Yeah, we eventually will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of the cast that worked on this episode, have they're like working actors in the UK. I looked up a lot of their stuff, and it's all stuff that's done over the pond. And, but... I mean, how many extras must they have needed for between the video wall and all of the people working in the office? Like, yeah, yeah. there's got to be... Yeah. a lot of bodies in this one so i'm, I'm not gonna i'm gonna try to go through the main ones i'm not gonna go through everybody manpreet bakchu plays nabal the he's the guy in the cold open with the video vlog he was in humans sean nope plays paul he's the young monk uh the abbot is played by james green eve de leon allen plays angie cassius carey johnson plays artie her younger brother and we will see both of them again Jeff Francis plays their dad, George. Celia Imry plays Miss Kislet. She was Madge Hardcastle in The Best Exotic Marigold, Marigold Hotel. And she was Fighter Pilot Bravo 5 in The Phantom Menace. Oh. Yeah, she actually has lines. That's... But I can actually see her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert Whitelock plays Mahler. Dan Lee plays Alexi. He's Tim in the Black Mirror episode White Christmas. Daniela Ames plays the little girl. This is the last credited thing she's done, the one with that turns into the spoonhead and the cover art. She had a lot of neck problems after this episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> she couldn't get ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Eldridge plays the pilot. Fred Pearson plays the barista. Jane Okua plays the waitress. 
Olivia Hill plays the newsreader and was previously in The Sound of Drums as the BBC newsreader in that episode. And in The Sarah Jane Adventures, she was the TV reporter in Invasion of the Bane. So she's definitely knows what she's good at. <laughs> Matthew Early plays the man with chips. He's the guy that um, the doctor talks about anti-grav on the motorcycle. And he looks up as he, he goes up. Uh, the little girl reading the comic book is played by Isabel Black Thomas or Isabel Blake Thomas. Richard E. Grant plays the great intelligence. And this last one is uh, a unit soldier is played by John Davy, who we saw at Gallifrey One. So he's not a monster this time. <laughs> right. There are two prequels that I want to mention. But Josh, did you want to have something here? Oh, would it, uh, no. Oh, I was right on the TV is the scene where they're outside the TARDIS and they shield the sky. It is a location shoot. It's just so beautifully lit, like you said. Yeah. Okay, so the, on the DVD, there is one specific prequel that ties in directly with this episode called The Bells of St. John, a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's the doctor is still in his tweed coat. I, I'm putting on this that he has not gone into his solitude as a monk yet. Right. And he's on, a, he's on a playground, he's on the swings, and this little girl comes up and joins him on the swings and they have a conversation. And they talk about losing something. And the doctor says that he has lost someone twice and he hopes that he'll be able to find this person again. Then the girl tells him that when she loses something, she goes to a quiet place for a think and then remembers where she put it. As the girl leaves, we find that her mom calls her Clara. Clara Oswald, I told you not to speak to strangers. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's a really good scene. Like if Heather was here, this is a great scene with Matt Smith interacting and acting with kids. Yes, and it's also, I do agree with you because then he goes to a quiet place with the monks. Yes. Think about it. And then the other one that ties more directly with the other episode we did, the Snowman, but it's not on the Snowman episode DVD. It's a disc. It's at the end of the season's disc. It's a prequel to the Snowman, and it's called uh, the Inforanium. It was released specifically on DVDs and home entertainment. The Doctor goes and starts erasing himself from the computers and the databases in history, and it's like this futuristic server and it's got a guy there and he he's like manning the uh he's just checking the servers and the doctor appears as a hologram tells him what he's gonna do he forgets and then it starts over like the guy saying who are you and then it ends with who are you because he's erasing all the stuff in the the hard drives or whatnot hmm. what was um, it called again the inf inforarium inforanium inforarium if it's on the it's on the last disc of season seven in case you don't have the discs. Yeah, I looked it up and it says it's all, it was only released through home media, so yeah. maybe it's on YouTube by now. Yeah, it's been a while, that's what I was thinking. But yeah. we'll have to dig out our discs. Yeah. So, The Bells of St. John, who is this episode good for? Or more specifically, this episode is good for who? A new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? I think this is, a, it's a new companion. Anything that it references makes you curious and anything that it references that isn't here doesn't leave a hole in the episode. I love the action piece. I mean, everything I've been gushing about this whole episode, um, I think it really shows a view, a new viewer, what can have all the gimmicks, the great stuff with the TARDIS, some stuff with the screwdriver, great character stuff, comedy, creepiness, kind of Twilight zone -y, Black Mirror-y uh, storytelling, um, good acting. And it's one of the best looking episodes yet. And anything that this episode doesn't have that we don't like is totally steeped in uh, fandom that a new viewer wouldn't have. This is good for a new viewer. I think this episode had two running A stories. So I think there's like too much in this episode. There was the story about who Clara is. It's been leading up to it and finding out where she comes from. Why is she impossible? Why is she showing up in the doctor's life? All that. And there's the episode about the great intelligence, how he set this area up, how he got on the Wi-Fi. Who is this woman who's running it for him? And they have a device where that uh, kids kill, I hail her name. <laughs> Kislet. That's right. I keep thinking Winslet. And I go, that's not right. That's not Kislet has a device where she can alter the conscious, the paranoia, the obedience, and the IQ of the different people that are hacked. And I think that could have been really fleshed out more into how much the other controlling, you know, her right arm guy was saying that we're downloading way too many, too fast, people are gonna notice what's going on. It just seemed like there's a lot of primary story for two different stories going on. And to me, it just seemed a little, the whole pacing of it seemed rushed. Um, also on my end, I like 
like it more knowing the answers of the ending of this storyline of Clara, not the continuation of Clara, but who is the barmaid slash governess and who is the travel uh, person who is now a Dalek, you know, and knowing why they're there and what's going on and knowing who this Clara is. So I like that. She's from the Alaska. Yes, she's from the Alaska. (laughs) For those listening at home, it's a shirt. <laughs> I like that. I get. I find that I get more out of that watching it again. So I was debating between a diehard and a fan, but but I liked it better the second time because I think knowing what's going on helped. New. Was that new or new? That was new. <laughs> new. It doesn't. It it. Uh, you know, the category doesn't say how much I like it, but coming into it fresh, you get the little the little hint the, of the mystery of Clara. But I don't think it would ruin your uh enjoyment of this specific episode episodic plot and it is a new companion she's figuring out things like new companions do and i think a, a, a new viewer would go along with that uh, yeah i think i'm gonna agree with brian and josh um especially like like you guys said this is really claire's first episode as a companion that will be a companion um and so for a person getting into doctor who like this uh, is okay place to make a start and then you have the you know what's nice about it is you have some prequel episodes that are actually prequel episodes and not like retcon later that you could watch after you've seen a little bit of clara and get get some like other dimensions of her um so yeah, I'm gonna go with new. I specifically remember when I watched this episode because I was kind of nearing the point of checking out because of how Amy and Rory ended with the series. And uh, me and Brian had gone to WonderCon and we were attending an Arrow panel. But before that, they had this episode playing. So I had not seen it live on broadcast. So we went and saw this in a stadium in Anaheim. I was completely engulfed and enthralled by this episode. And I was like, huh, I have to rethink my opinion of the show. I think what sold me is the new look of, of Matt Smith because I, I never really liked the tweed. I really enjoyed the purple coat. And this episode just has everything that I like about the show. There's a problem, there's a, an existing problem. The doctor is brought in outside of the problem. So he's like a third party to this but he becomes the solution because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to save people. So I enjoyed that about it rather than it being something else that's going to take maybe a couple episodes to resolve. Like, and I'm, and I'm specifically just thinking of this episode. Nothing else is crossing my mind when I watched it. And that impact has managed to withstand time when I rewatched this episode this past week. Hmm. Oh, I, I'm going to put it into a new viewer because while we were at WonderCon watching this, there were other people like us that weren't there for the episode, The Bells of St. John. They were there for something else after or before, but they stuck around. And I specifically remember somebody behind us saying, I've never seen this stupid show, Doctor Who. And then when they watch this, when the girl turns her head around to be revealed as a spoonhead, he's like, oh, that's creepy. And I could feel the, the change in his voice that he was invested in the show. And by the time the, sh- the episode was done, he was like, I-, I may have to give this Doctor Who a second shot. So to me, that's a new Who viewer. It was able to somebody at a comic convention, saw this show at random, and now they're going to like look into it. So The Bells of St. John is a new Who viewer for me. So that wraps up the Bells of St. John. Thanks Can for I listening. change mine? You guys are good. <laughs> it's like I want to stick by my guns, but it's just that's just me being contrary. Stick to your uh, guns. Stick to your guns. Because you make really good points, and it's like what I'm bringing to it you is the other episodes too. that Clara was in. No, you, you make good points, too. No, yeah. so. yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with what I had said. But we should all change to your, your category, no, no. and that listen, would drive you crazy. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm bringing things to it. So I'm looking at it from somebody who's already seen the season, who's already seen the Dalek episode and Snowman episode. So I'm seeing it from that point of view. And what you're saying is you got to forget all that. And if somebody new sat down to watch this, I agree with you guys. I'm now debating going, because you know, our question is, who is this good for? Which one is better? Someone I believe the question is, knows who is this episode or... good for? Or more specifically, this episode is good for who? <laughs> I forgot how much I like you saying that. <laughs> but you guys make good points where you don't know the, anything before this. If I didn't know about those other episodes, I do think this would be a good one to introduce somebody. I think that does fall into all the other checkpoints, all the other categories that I would have. Now it's just debating whether or not, is it better for somebody new, which I agree, yes, it's definitely good for somebody new, or is it for somebody who, after seeing it, going back and seeing it and picking up more of it? 
and after what Brian shared, <laughs> I'm switching to new. I am I am officially switching to new. Well, this is our first unanimous in a while, then. Yeah, I, I, I Frank, I, not, but I think I think you know we do have an example here of Brian, somebody who is like a fan and and watching it again because of that fandom, you know, has those those bad kind of like those bad emotions towards it. The so, future memories. Yeah, I know it's a hard one. Like, because we all loved, like, yeah. I remember really loving it. You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Th this this episode is just like dynamite, and they kind of never could repeat that. Which is which is also another argument for maybe it shouldn't be for a new viewer, set the bar too high, <laughs> and then they'll never get back there. Um, so, yeah, the future is where we, we can't kind of live because we work there. We just work there. <laughs> all right. So, that wraps up the Bells of St. John. Thanks for listening, stay safe everyone, and we'll see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash who knew podcast all our episodes are on who knew podcast.com visit our facebook page please leave comments reviews and click like to help support who knew podcast to listen to our show on your amazon echo device enable the any pod podcast skill ask any pod to play the who knew podcast this podcast is inspired by dr who the longest running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Derbyshire, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. On YouTube for the prequel for Bells of St. John, it says, one of them says part two. Um, hmm. So the Bells of St. John are prequel, Doctor Who Series 7, oh, Series 7 Part 2. Ah, there you go. Just had to keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs> and now putting it into my Watch Later playlist. Which you will get to never. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>